Hi, this is James Barris. I hope you find this talk supports you in your practice. If you'd like to support my teaching, you can use the donate button underneath my picture on Dharma Seed to do that. Your support is greatly appreciated. Okay, so everyone will get settled. So the title of this talk is um, Getting Perspective on Our Perspective. The, um, the impetus for the talk was something that I received um, was it it was today it was this morning I think early in the morning I took a look at my email and there was um, a, a newsletter that I get regularly from Linda Graham I mentioned her before in the announcements who's a dear friend and she's going to be doing that day on resilience um, and she puts out really really great newsletters what are they call what does she call them Resources for Recovering Resilience. And uh, sometimes she just puts out a piece of wisdom that she's come across, uh, which is what uh, really struck me today. And uh, uh, made me want to explore this topic. This is from William James, who is... uh, sometimes considered the father of American psychology. Uh, Really wise man. What is his year? 1842 to 1910. And this is what he says. It's it's a bit long, but I want to read it slowly so you really get it, because it's just, it's so good. The greatest revolution of our generation is the discovery that human beings, by changing the inner attitudes of their minds, can change the outer aspects of their lives. Thoughts become perception. Perception becomes reality. Alter your thoughts alter your reality. The transition from tenseness, self-responsibility, which in this context, I think he's talking about self-absorption. Tenseness, self-selfing, and worry to equanimity, receptivity, and peace is the most wonderful of all those shiftings of inner equilibrium. Those changes of personal center of energy, which I have analyzed so often. And the chief wonder of it is that it so often comes about not by doing, but by simply relaxing and throwing the burden down. Be willing to have it so. Acceptance of what has happened 
is the first step to overcoming the consequences of any misfortune. If you believe that feeling bad or worrying long enough will change a past or future event, then you are residing on another planet with a different reality system. The world we see that seems so insane is the result of a belief system that is not working. To perceive the world differently, we must be willing to change our belief system. Let the past slip away, expand our sense of now, and dissolve the fear in our minds. The greatest weapon against stress is our ability to choose one thought over another. There is a law in psychology that if you form a picture in your mind of what you would like to be, and you keep and hold that picture there long enough, you will soon become exactly as you have been thinking. A great many people think that they are thinking when they are merely rearranging their prejudices. And then he ends, to change one's life, three things are needed. A, start immediately. B, do it flamboyantly. Interesting choice of words. And C, no exceptions. Never suffer an exception to occur till the new habit is securely rooted. Pretty neat, isn't it? I mean, it, it could have been a distillation of the essence of the Buddhist teachings, which is why I wanted to explore and share. As the, the Buddha says, his own version of this, not a bad version, we are what we think. This is the, these are the opening lines of the Dhammapada, the collection of, of wisdom teachings of the Buddha. Sometimes this line is translated as, mind is the forerunner of all things. But uh, I like this particular translation. We are what we think. All that we are arises with our thoughts. With our thoughts, we make the world. Speak or act with an impure or confused mind, and trouble will follow you as the wheel follows the ox that draws the cart. We are what we think. All that we are 
arises with our thoughts. With our thoughts, we make the world. Speak or act with a pure or clear mind, and happiness will follow you as your shadow, unshakable. How can a troubled mind understand the way? Your worst enemy cannot harm you as much as your own thoughts unguarded. But once mastered, no one can help you as much, not even your father or your mother. We are what we, what we think. With our thoughts, we make the world. And I just said uh, that I was at Spirit Rock this last, uh, this last month. And it's such a, a privilege to see people in their process going through um, one day after another and weeks uh, at a time just sitting there and looking at the mind, looking at the mind, looking at the body, looking at this mind-body process, sitting there, not distracted, except when the mind gets distracted, but not outward distractions, and just getting clearer and clearer and seeing, oh, this is how the mind works, you know. Whether it's a day, oh, this is how this mind gets caught. Or another day, oh, this is how the mind gets free. There you are discovering for yourself how thoughts are making our reality. And as you sit there and you just see in your attempt to try to pay attention to something as simple as knowing that you're breathing or knowing that there's a sound or knowing that here's a sensation, in the process, you get to see your mind and everything that gets in the way that makes that very simple task so hard. As as, uh, my teachers Menindra used to say, It's simple. It's not easy. It's simple. But there you are just looking and being present and bringing a kind awareness to your experience. And after a while, you start to get these thoughts. These thoughts, your mind has a mind of its own. These thoughts keep on coming and to try to stop them is not only futile but very frustrating and a sure prescription for suffering. But when you see, oh, one thought after another and I don't have to jump on the train, the thought train as it comes along, there's a tremendous freedom that comes from that when you realize, oh, I can choose what thought I want to believe. What was that, that line that he had? Yeah. 
The greatest weapon against stress, William James says, is our ability to choose one thought over another. We have all these thoughts that come through. Some are beautiful. Some are so deeply wise. Some are so filled with love and connection. And others that are confused and filled with rage or filled with wanting. Not that it's bad. It's just human. But the more we can see and hold a perspective that sees, oh, and this is what the mind does. It changes everything. Because most people, I'm probably not telling you anything you don't know, but I just want to name it. Most people are wandering around in this world believing most every thought that comes through their head. I mean, it's kind of strange when you think about it, right? You say, oh, gosh, how could they do that? Until you realize, oh, when I scare myself, I'm doing it. Or when I get caught in a a prison in my mind that says, oh, this has to happen or um, I'll be doomed. I'm doing it. Or how could they have done that? can't believe the insensitivity. I'm doing it. So there's a, a real humility that comes with this practice. And the more you see your own mind getting lost in its trips, hopefully you both start to see through the game little glimpses of it and just as important have compassion for all the ways that everybody around you gets lost in theirs. So simple. As the, as the Buddha says, this, this is your laboratory. In this fathom-long body, I, I've shared this line many times, in this fathom-long body, six feet, give or take a foot and a half standard deviation, I like to think of it, or maybe two feet standard deviation, Um, In this fathom-long body, all of life is revealed. This is your laboratory to understand the human experience. And the littlest glimpse of starting to understand, oh, that's what this mind does. If If you can see it, without getting frustrated or taking it personally, then you're you're in on the cosmic joke instead of being the butt of the joke. And when you can move from, gosh, look at my mind, to, wow, look at the mind do its thing and not take it personally, there's freedom. So that's why this this mindful attention or this awareness that is not lost in the thought, the thoughts, but is seeing the game is the key. That's why 
one reason why the Buddha said mindfulness is the key to freedom. Because that awareness is not lost, but even that awareness is not you. So just want to put that, put a little piece in there. Don't get identified in saying, oh, I am the awareness, at least from a from a strict Buddha Dharma perspective, um, if you've got to identify with anything, then go to the awareness. But even then, there's no you running the show. The awareness is just happening through you, as I often invite people uh, who say, well, wait a second, I maybe I am my awareness. Oh, yeah? Well, if you're looking up here at this form, can you turn that awareness off? Can you not see me? Can you say, I think I'm going to just shut my awareness off. No, it's just happening through you. So there's no no part of the whole deal, the whole package deal that you can say, oh, this is me, or this is me, just like you can't say, you know, well, my body is mine. Yeah, try shutting off your heart or your breath. It's just happening. Life is happening through you. But to have that perspective of the awareness that sees is really uh, so tremendously freeing because then you're in on the game. Mm. This, we are what we think. Um, somebody who I've, I've mentioned here before, Napoleon Hill, uh, a, a, a very wise, um, really one of the, the fathers of so-called prosperity consciousness, but a really wise man who wrote a, a book called Think and Grow Rich. I think it was like 1920s or so that, that he wrote it. Brilliant. And his main teaching that has been so significant for me is a pithy way of saying what William James and, and the Buddha are saying, what the mind can conceive and believe it can achieve. So we start out with an idea, a vision that really moves us. It can be, oh, I want to grow rich, because it works for anything, or at least that the principle works. But um, as the Buddha said, watch what you wish for, because the more you wish for something beyond yourself, the, the truer the happiness is. But what the mind can conceive and then believe, you set in motion in a very mysterious way for life to respond. In, uh, in the teachings, there, there's this 
teaching of a clear comprehension of purpose. I've mentioned it here from time to time. A very, uh, a very important uh, reflection. What inspires you? What is your vision that will bring you true happiness? Not what's going to feel good tonight, but something a bit larger. <laughs> what really moves you? What really touches your heart? What's your purpose? What's your, perhaps, what's your destiny? Why are you on this earth? It's a, and don't feel uh, discouraged if you can't come up with your destiny in a moment. But to keep on seeing what is my calling? What really moves me? What really, how can I find what I'm, what I'm meant to do here? And just even having the, the interest to do that, just asking yourself that question rather than, oh, what do people say will be really, uh, how will I know I've made it, that I've been a success? If you're living somebody else's ideas of what success are, you're not going to be really leading a fulfilled life. But to see, as Martin Seligman says in, um, in his book, Authentic Happiness, true happiness comes from getting a sense of what your gifts are that life has given you and finding a way to express them and contribute to the world. That's where the real happiness comes from. So to have that as a, um, this clear comprehension of purpose, which might change over time. I, my, mine has changed. Some, at one point it was enlightenment or bust until I started getting busted on it. Uh, but then it turned into just facing in the right direction of greater and greater freedom without the timetable, without the report card. And at other times it might be to open my heart as, as well as I can and, and serve from a, a, a joyful place. You, I'm sure you've had your, your own. In fact, let's just stop, stop here for a moment. You don't have to hear all these words. We can just take a break and just go inside for a moment. And don't worry if you don't come up with something right away. But just see what comes up if you ask yourself, what would truly give me a sense of meaning in my life? What inspires me? You might think of who inspires you and what they do as a, a doorway to what do I have to offer this world? Don't put pressure on yourself to save it all by yourself. Just what 
have you been given that can be a, a contribution, even in the smallest way? Don't have to go for Nobel laureate. Just what do you have to offer this world or those around you? And if it seems like a like something that really inspires you or moves you, you might just give it a few words in your mind, in your heart that you can keep there and keep it percolating and letting it grow. If it's true, then there's something that will help you feel alive. And if it's something that feels right on, you might keep it in your heart these next days. Maybe write it down when you get home. And let it be a guiding principle for you. Your clear comprehension of purpose your wise intention, another way of saying it. Okay, you can open your eyes if you'd like. So I I think these days, particularly since all these thoughts come through our mind anyway, and some of them are scary, and some of them are inspiring, the more you can get in touch with the ones that inspire you, the more you can get in touch with a positive vision of how you see your life, and how you hold the possibilities of this world, the more you're going to be coming from a place of connection and aliveness. And if you don't, then chances are, or if you don't have something that inspires you, helping you face in the right direction, chances are, those thoughts of attachment, aversion, and confusion have that much more power. That's why the Buddha said, once you see where happiness lies, make an intention to do your part to bring it about. So with these, you know, I just mentioned these uh, conversations with the wise uh, that I'm I'm having with uh, these recorded, their their video as well as uh, audio uh, recordings that I'm having with all these uh, wonderful teachers. It's up on the Awakening Joy website. And if anybody who's who's listening, a lot of people listen to these these talks 
just go to awakeningjoy.info and go to Conversations with the Wise, um, and they're free. Uh, what I've been asking uh, each of these these people is, what's your positive vision? Besides, how are you navigating through these times? How are you staying sane? How are you staying positive? How are you staying motivated? What's your vision? What's your positive vision for these times? Because I think it behooves us to have some vision that we can be putting out into the ethers and the air. So having that positive vision then kind of informs our own reality. Because at the same time, we still have all these crazy thoughts that come through, right? Right? If not, please come and speak to me afterwards. But the beautiful thing is, you don't have to get rid of those thoughts. Just reiterating what I said earlier, don't try to get rid of those troubling thoughts. The more you try, the more they've got you. That's the, the paradox. The more you get disturbed by your thoughts or by your mind, the more disturbed you are. But to see them just as habits, just as patterns of thinking and feelings that have been practiced, when you see them that way, you don't have to mess with them. Uh, I love the, the Tibetan practice uh, of um, seeing thoughts in that empty space without messing with them and they self-liberate. That's the, that's the, uh, the term I love. Thoughts just self-liberate. When you're not messing with them, they just unravel on their own. They're so ephemeral. How many thoughts have you had today? One or two? Hundred thousand? How many thoughts have you had? And, you know, uh, most of them are even under the radar. It's interesting, by the way, if you've ever done long-term, deep prep or I say a longer retreat of practice, and and if you've ever gotten quiet, really quiet, you might think it's just blank. But in my, sometimes it is almost blank. But actually, I've had this experience, and it's not uncommon when it gets really quiet. There's thoughts underneath thoughts underneath thoughts that you didn't even know were there. I remember on one longer retreat, I was getting pretty quiet, and then I'd start hearing these voices and alien whispers. I didn't know what was going on, you know. But 
it's just thoughts underneath thoughts underneath thoughts. It's like this amazing, creative, mysterious machine that we've been given. So you don't have to get rid of anything. Just see how empty they are. I was, I, uh, I was doing a retreat. I might have said this uh, when I came. I did a self-retreat in, in December um, at, uh, at Spirit Rock for a couple of weeks. And uh, I came up with a, a new game with my mind, which is kind of fun after many years. Oh, good, a new game, right? And it was, um, I was, you know, getting fairly settled. And every now and then my mind would just go off somewhere. Not for too long, but it would definitely go off. But I had this little game every time I saw it. When I'd wake up, I would just name it, oh, mental fabrication. That was it. It was so... It was so simple. It didn't matter what the thought was. Blowing up the world, you know, taking out a liter or two. Yeah. Oh, mental fabrication. Isn't that interesting? You know, saving the world. You know, mental fabrication. Then, the more you can see that, the more you can you can choose. So often I've shared it before, one of my main practices for many years when I, in my, my daily life or when I find that I'm really caught, I'll just ask myself, oh, what thought am I believing right now? Or sometimes if it's a whole story, oh, what, what story am I believing? Often stories that I've carried around for 50 years or 70 years. Mm. So now, this doesn't mean to abandon critical thinking. I just want to underscore, okay, you see the emptiness of the thoughts, and maybe you have a vision for what you want to create, but it's really, I think, important to complement that understanding of the mind with what is really needed right now at this time in my life or in the bigger picture? We need discernment. We need wise discernment and we need courageous action. That's that's one of the most important gifts and elements of being conscious of how this mind can create anything and so can others around. And the more we can see clearly what will really support well-being, not just for my well-being, but the greater good, as they say, um, the more you're aligned with the truth, the more you um, can have a sense of true power, not the power that's saying, I'm right and they're wrong, but just in the sense of true power, 
And this is something that you need to see for yourself. You need to get in touch with what the truth is for yourself. This is what the Buddha said to the Kalamas when they said, hey, how do we know you're telling the truth? Everybody says they're telling the truth. All these great teachers coming through. And he says, not by... Uh, not because somebody's an authority, not because uh, somebody seems to be a great teacher, uh, not by believing the thoughts that you prefer, it's one of those in the list, but by seeing for yourself what is leading to happiness and what's leading to suffering. It's a very um, uh, empirically... Uh, empirical data-based um, uh, exploration. Ehipasiko, the, the words say, come and see for yourself what leads to suffering and what leads to happiness. And there's, there's something about standing in your truth which might actually change. Your truth can change. It's not like all of a sudden you discover this is the this is the truth, the absolute truth. And if everybody would just see it the way I saw it, it would be okay. But it's just your truth at this point for you and how to get in touch with with your truth. This is a, a really important part of practice. Just like on the, on the retreat, uh, you know, people would come in, they'd have ups and they'd have downs. And it would, it would almost be, you know, you could kind of see somebody's cycle, you know, depending upon how often you see them, and they come in, wow, this is amazing. And then you're just kind of waiting in a couple of days and they come in, oh, Stop being so amazing. Oh, will I ever get out? And then the next time, wow, it's amazing again. So, as I often try to communicate, it's not so much trying to get to one particular place, but it's just learning to ride the roller coaster and see, oh, I can be with anything. So your truth might change or your perception might change or your perspective might change. Ups and downs and also your views on things might change. On issues, your opinions, your thoughts about people, your relationships, what annoys you, what inspires you. Have you noticed that your mind can change? And the views that you have that seemed so, you were so certain of, have changed. Just like the toys that used to do it for you, might change. You know. 
I'm just thinking when I was a kid, I haven't thought about this in decades, uh, there was a TV show, uh, Winky Dink. Anybody remember Winky Dink? And you had this, this screen on your TV, right? This plastic screen, and you'd, and you'd, you'd trace if you didn't put your plastic screen on, you're in trouble because you trace it with a crayon on your screen. Oh, there's the, 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 the fox and he need, the rabbit needs a bridge and you draw a bridge like that. I thought that was the greatest thing in the world. My, my little plastic winky dink screen. I thought I had died and got, went to heaven when I got my winky dink screen. It doesn't quite do it for me these days. You know. <laughs> and in the, in the same way, you know, whatever gadget or thing you think is going to do it for you, or a particular relationship, or a particular um, uh, circumstance, you know, it changes. And so to really both Honor your truth, but not be wedded to it because sometimes it changes. Now, I'm somebody who, when I feel that something is important to be said, I, um, I have a tendency to kind of go for it until proven otherwise. I've been called a bulldog at Spirit Rock by some people. <clears throat> but then when it's time to let go, I let go. Yeah, this nice guy, like that. So you stay connected to your truth, and then when you see, oh, it's not happening, or it's time to reassess what reality is, how can I still keep my heart open? And the thing that holds it, that for me, uh, from the Buddha's teachings, that's so important is um, alignment with sila, alignment with um, the precepts of doing no harm. That's a good, a good context to see if what my truth is is leading to suffering or happiness. And of course, there's no way you can make everybody happy but at least coming from a place of intention that you're looking at things beyond just what's, what's in it for me, but in a, a spirit of kindness and non-harming. And as you see, this is just my perspective, then you also get to see Everybody has their own perspective, as that, that line that, uh, that I often share from the Dalai Lama, who says, if somebody is upsetting you, chances are that it's not so much that they're trying to hurt you, it's just that their internal perspective, their internal reality is intersecting with your internal reality in a way that doesn't match up with your hopes and expectations. But once you start seeing, oh, we all have our own internal reality that makes sense, even serial killers. Not to say 
to condone that. You have to do, I think, everything you can to prevent harm and sometimes have very fierce, courageous action. But just to see people are lost in their own confusion. And the more you see it within yourself, the more you have at least the possibility of mm, compassionate understanding for their confusion and possibly uh, even uh, a, a forgiveness, just like Jesus saying, forgive them, they know not what they do, along with being very courageous in your action. <clears throat> Whether it's people who mean well, who just don't see the consequences of their actions, or people who are mean-spirited, who also don't see the consequences of their actions. You know, to, to get in touch with Kuan Yin inside of you that can see the cries of the world, and there she is, not so overwhelmed that she can't respond with, with wisdom and, and still having her heart open and being very fierce in her compassion. Mm, getting some cramps here. So, um, just as a as a little exercise before we end this. Once again, close your oops, close your eyes, and uh, just to try this on. Mm, think of somebody who's basically a good person. but who sometimes is difficult for you. And just try, just try to step inside their shoes. And aligning for a moment with their reality. Doesn't mean you have to agree with it, but just to understand where they're coming from. This is not about who's right or who's wrong but just to see if there's an awareness that can hold all the perspectives while remaining true to your own. Just notice the uh, how it stretches you, your mind and your heart. Not condoning necessarily, but understanding. And the more we can do this with people 
who are close to us, who we care about, the more we can start doing it with with others. Because what this world needs is more understanding and compassion. And rather than setting up the good guys and the bad guys, just seeing the real problem is though is acting out of confusion. And there's a humility that comes from seeing different perspectives that enables us to act with great courage and strength as we stand in our truth, just knowing it's our truth. Okay, so we have some, just a few minutes for um, any comments or questions. And we'll end with a loving kindness in a few minutes, but um, please, if you can stay, be appreciated. Anything that comes up for people? Thanks, Andrew. When you were talking about, when we were doing the the meditation on um, sort of our purpose, and I was trying to sort of divorce um, what it is that I imagine myself to do, you know, actions or, or do things that would um, feel purposeful to me mm-hmm. versus simply ways of being mm-hmm. and, and the way that I am um, more subtly, it, on the one hand, seems like they, they are maybe one and the same in that whatever you are doing, you are doing it a certain way or as, you know, it, I am a certain person in doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, I had trouble... I had trouble almost taking, like putting emphasis on the doing when beneath that there always seems to be a way of being. And I guess it it made like, yeah, the purpose in that sense seem a little confusing. I don't know if you have any thoughts on that. So you're saying that when you thought in terms of of doing that there was... It took you away from just the the being, the expressing, in in your yeah, that's, in your being. That is more simply what I was thinking. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think there's a place for both. Uh, if you're just doing, then you're running around. It's okay. You're, then you're just running around in that doing mode, and there's not a connection to a, a deeper uh, a deeper sense of truth. But if you're just in the being mode, then not, not a whole lot gets done. So there's a place, that's why coming, coming from a, 
a spiritual practice or a, a meditative practice, I should say, uh, helps us get in touch with that being. So we're not just running around doing, but that being can also give rise to uh, an inspiring vision that then the doing is coming from that being. So they, I see them as complementing each other. And at times, you might be more um, focused on the being mode than the doing mode. And at other times, it might be the other way around. So it's not like you know one, uh, one size fits all. Uh, but I think they, that one really, um, that they're both needed. There needs to be the, the, the presence of a, of a deep connection to life and the, the engagement of wanting to express that caring that comes out. Thank you. Anything else? Going once, going twice. Oh, there's somebody who's a very engaged person. Hi, Della. <clears throat> so when you were talking about the, um, you called it prosperity thinking or something, and you said if you if you believe it and you see it, you can achieve it. What you can conceive what and you believe. Can conceive and believe and you can achieve. And <clears throat> I just want to kind of ask a clarifying question because I imagine, um, you know, there can be a danger in that kind of idea of like, I can, I can think of myself as a millionaire or think of myself yeah. as this, but there are very real systemic um you know, reasons yeah. why we can't <laughs> do certain things. And so I guess, like, my question is, is it is it less about using that? This is my interpretation. It's less about using that as a way to manifest our material desires or even non-material, a relationship desire, as you mentioned, and more to manifest states of states of being or states of responding to so that I can... I can uh, wish to cultivate like a sense of ease or equanimity or peace, mm-hmm. whether I'm, you know, what in whatever material condition mm-hmm. or whatever life situation. I just wanted to ask about that clarification because yeah. I just kind of worry about that yeah. idea that we can manifest our material when we live in a very unequal and, you yes. know, systemically challenging yes. time. Thank you. As somebody who's teaching voluntary simplicity at Schumacher College over here, so it's a it's a, a very important question. So thank you for for bringing it up. They're both they're both true uh, it, that cultivating wholesome states is really what the Buddha said leads to the deepest kind of freedom, and it's also true. It's kind of like understanding how the game works. And then you can play the game in a way that supports true well-being. So, for instance, you, you've done some really beautiful things and, uh, and have, 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 have manifested in, in certain ways. And that was more than, that was not just cultivating wholesome states. 
you were inspired to do any number of the things that you've done, and you've done some beautiful things. And if it was just, I'm going to cultivate states, uh, a state of ease and peace, you wouldn't do those things that you did. So it's more seeing that your mind can create not only internal reality, but manifest as well, and then it's okay what what is the point in manifesting if you're coming this is the other part of the teachings if you're coming from greed hatred and delusion you're going to be creating more suffering in this world if you come from generosity kindness and wisdom or clarity you're going to manifest in a way that is beneficial to you and to others. doesn't mean you don't have your dreams or you don't have your, your causes. In fact, it does mean be aligned, since that's how the, how the game works, that, that what we think, we are what we think with our thoughts, we, we make the world. Notice what you are, what you're creating, Notice what, that's why I wanted people to get in touch with their vision that inspires them so that then that manifestation is going to be leading them to more well-being, not just, you know, a fancy house, you know. And as, 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 as much as that's a nice thing to enjoy, we have to take a look at the bigger picture, how we affect the world around us. So I think it's a really important issue for all of us, especially in a culture so privileged uh, that most of us are, are living in here, or many of us are living in here in the States and in, the, the, and in, uh, in Europe. So that's going to be the big, the big question. Can we curtail our greed and open up to a, a, a sense of sharing? Yeah, so thank you. Okay, so now it's a little over. So we'll just close with a short loving kindness. And just get in touch with your caring. May all see through their confusions and fears and connect with the goodness and wisdom inside. May we share any good that comes from being here together this evening uh, for the benefit of all beings everywhere. May all beings find the highest happiness and peace. Thank you very much for your attention. Good to be back. And uh, come on back. See you next week. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.